Klopp, 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 Klopp. Oh, yeah, what did you think about Klopp? Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, Chris. I thought, right. I, thought you wanted, I thought you wanted my insightful analysis yeah, I do. of Klopp. Um, it's hard to play. That's true. It's a minute like, to play a like lifetime to master. Klopp. Oh, no, no one likes it as much as Klopp. Klopp is like you just mash the keys and your horse goes forward. Oh, he doesn't go. What kind of video game is that? You press a button and a thing happens? It's bullshit. Quop. Real game. I've heard that Quop is game. Quop is game. I've heard. What you went? What Quop is game? Clop not game. <laughs> Sorry, what you heard? I what? Quop <laughs> is game. Clop not game. Game, 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 game. No, you went on some podcast, uh, and oh, yeah. as a joke, I wrote in saying, "What is game?" And you're like, "Well, actually, I've been playing Quop." And then you went on like a 20 minute jag about how. Quop actually is indicative of everything that you, at the time at least, like it held true for what a video game is. You're like, Quop! And then at the end, you were just like, Quop is game. And it was like, whoa! That was you filling up like six blackboards and writing QED at the bottom, except you actually wrote QWOP and then walked away. It was a, I wish I could remember what show that even was. It was impressive to me. That's all. Yeah. People should look that up. You should look it up. In a book. In a book. It's in there. Take a look. It's in a book. It's August 15th, 2012, and... This is Idle Thumb 70, and I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. Seventieth plus time, and uh, it's seventieth anniversary. It's the seventieth anniversary episode. We've been doing the seventy years. <laughs> it's, it's, we're all really fucking old. Anniversary of nothing. Of really. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this one time, seventy audio files were deployed, plus some additional audio files. Yeah. Let's celebrate by talking about we're we're actually not too far away from the four year anniversary of the podcast. But that doesn't really count either because it's actually the second year anniversary. Really, if you just <laughs> add up all the months, <clears throat> no, it'd be the third. There's only one year that we That's were That's true. October 2013. Out of Thumbs anniversary year. Cool. We're so, guys, now that we got that out of the way. We wanted to get it out of the way. Because we've been we waiting cared. for seven days for so long. <laughs> yeah. We- if people listen back, they'll hear, in, just in the right channel, faintly, every episode we count... Uh, we started at 70 in the first one, and then you hear, heard 69, 68, 67, so... We've been we've been waiting for this. this has been this is the culmination of the Out of Thumbs uh, secret right channel whisper arg. Good, yeah. yeah we released all the podcasts in mono, so you didn't get. The yeah, it was, that was our mistake. What are we talking about? Games. Babel. What was that game called? Babel. 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 You'll get it. Babel. I don't know what it's called. Oh, no, no, you'll get it. Did you want to be shown some blueprints? <laughs> show me the show me the babble babble. Show me that. The game is babble. What was babble, it called babble? actually? Babble, babble rising. Babble, babble, babble. No, it was called, oh, it's called. See, you were close, but then think. Okay, it's called babble, but, oh, it's, oh, a, it's, but a it's a video game. game. Oh, babble rising. Oh, babble, yes. babble origins. 
Babble, babble reckoning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're just playing the $64,000 pyramid or whatever. <laughs> mm, no, mm, mm, pointing. Mm. <laughs> Why did you buy that game? We just we saw it. Just came, we actually fell generally. for a Steam pop up. I yeah. think that has been boop babble rise. Like and we went <laughs> okay. We just thought it was hilarious that there's a game called Babel Rising, and it's about p- people building the Tower of Babel. It's actually the only real appropriate use of rising in video games ever thus far. <laughs> like the, the tower well, is in made. fact rising yeah. from the earth. I don't know if we watched the trailer, but one can only hope that it says a Babel will rise. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the trailer is ridiculous. A Babel will rise. Yes, that's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. that's oh, yeah. very How good. Babel formed. <laughs> but, with a bunch it's of pretty slaves, so sad sacks you've pounded the dirt. So yeah, the concept of this game is that you are God. God. Presumably, it's the it's the Tower of Babel being built, and you are attempting to to smite those who are building it because it's heretical. Right. Yeah. So you are God of the Old Testament, I yeah, guess. Apparently, yeah. So it's a God game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except that it's a it's a casual God game. <laughs> it is. So you just. For the readers, at yeah, home. just slaves sort of wander up to a start well, gate and start. Other slaves, they might be doing. They this really don't seem like they're super into carrying they've got, rocks. They've got very arched backs with rocks. Yeah, but that's how you had to build. That's shit. true. With Human, slaves, okay. Hold, let's back this up one step. Human beings walk, uh, sort of walk into into frame, and then start walking up the already built beginning of the Tower of Babel. If you let them get too far, they'll place the next segment of the tower. So they sort of slowly spiral up, and we we never lost because we were so good at Babel oh, yeah, Rising. We're really good. But presumably, if they get to the top and the tower is complete, uh, you, you lose. lose. God loses. So it's what does God do? And I was like, ah, man. It's oh, they did it. <laughs> they were right. I really burned. Now me. they win. They did make a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but your powers are just kind of we should have let it happen. Yeah. yeah. And I, oh, oh, if you just hear your own voice somehow, just go ah, God. <laughs> 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 condition. Oh man, yeah, that would have been a really funny voiceover for that game if there were no if there were no spoken monologue from God. But just but uh, it's just a little like yes. <laughs> Ooh, mm. uh, that's okay. Oh, yeah. God. So I guess oh, me, damn it. Yeah, you have powers based on the four elements that have tower defense style recharge time. So you can throw rocks at guys, or make rocks come up out of the earth, or throw fireballs at them, or make fire come out of the earth, or rain on them, (laughs) or freeze freeze them out of the earth. And then you get some supercharged powers, like you can make a bunch of fireballs fall, or you can make the Indiana Jones boulder roll all the way down the Tower of Babel, which or the best one. Yeah, we thought the ball rolling down was the most satisfying one, but if you the, the ultimate power for water just floods the entire level and kills yeah, everyone, crazy, which is hilarious. Yeah, it's so, amazing. And it then it's really macabre. Is it, not all of them could swim. It's yeah. It must not be good swimmers. Like, what? <laughs> like, oh, I just drowned like 40 people. Yeah. Ugh. Although it is a case of a game where it's actually not – it's not really tonally no, it was inconsistent. Fine. Because it's right. like You're just you are a- just straight up Old Testament God just – just wrecking these people yeah. who disobey your orders. And some of their little bodies, they have little out, little soul outlines that do float to heaven, which I yeah. think is indicative of the type of God you are. You know, like, I'll I murder killed you for being, being a heretic, but come on over. <laughs> I can't stay mad at you. What were the, like, the weird, like, domination text and stuff that came up? What were the, the phrases? Calamity? Like, yeah, calamity, uh, but there was... Punishment? Yeah. It, it and then did you? I feel like you had one show up, but I think calamity and punishment were the two that we yeah, did. Yeah, it gets excited. It has a combo meter. I don't know if we could ever actually recommend this game, but it was it was, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty actually an iOS yeah. game. 
I think it was a yeah. I think it was originally for mobile stuff, and then they put it out on PC and Mac as well. That's really. It's a Ubisoft game, also. It's which Ubisoft. Is weird. Yeah, that's the, kind of the reason we played it. I think not because we yeah, thought we like it would just be Rising because it was Ubi. from a major publisher, but we just thought it was weird yeah. that a game like this was published by a major publisher. So, we, kind of just out of bizarre interest, we checked it out. They like bizarre god games. Where yeah, apparently, slaves like from die. dust. They yeah, I loved published. from dust. Yeah, that game was really cool. Yeah, that game was awesome. That was Eric Chahi. That's a more that's a, a better game than this. But yeah, it just feels... this was still a fun, goofy thing. I thought it's so funny though, like. There's a clearly a business model that says this is doable. Like, take your iOS game or your mobile game that you sell for like between ninety nine cents and two ninety nine, mm-hmm. and then bring it to PC and Mac. I it's guess. happening more and more. It it's seems yeah, because like I actually yeah. bought last night. I bought um, Hero Academy for mm-hmm. um, Steam because it was a game that was it's been on the iOS charts for a while, and there was it appealed to me because uh, I had played like a five minutes of the iOS game uh, and. It was because it was free, and you would buy extra guys and extra collections of. Right, it was super free to fl- free to play model. Yeah, it was so freemium that I just. Ugh, I'm just like, can I just I give you money up front? I and thought you were gonna say, it was so freemium that I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I just, I just really don't like. If I'm playing the game, it, like it I'm being actual per cost item on Steam made it more appealing to you, though. Or I like, like the game really itself had a. a, a a financial barrier to entry, like you could own something, right? That I could actually spend five dollars, get a game that would be just a game, and then if there was DLC stuff, like it was kind of away, right? But that's not really the case. It just still feels like this iOS game. And now I'm playing on Steam, and it's asynchronous, so like I feel like I'm just sort of sitting at my computer, waiting for somebody to just turn to play. So if you have never played Hero Academy, basically it's, um. A strategy game, a casual strategy game, where you kind of move guys on a eight by I think like twelve board, and they have sort it's of like very a similar wide like, to like um oh there's this great DS game that was like armored something oh, never mind it's just a game where you move guys on a grid and then they have powers that they can perform within a certain radius and you have X amount of moves per turn right some guys cost more moves yeah, like a strategy yeah. rpg yeah thing. but yeah. it's really really casual and um you can just tell just from its rendering it's cartoony and very approachable like a tactical little thing yeah, yeah. in the mean, asynchronous like wars or something like that style advanced you... wars that was oh, what i was looking oh, for yeah okay, that yeah. it's very similar to that but less yeah. less intense than advanced wars i really liked advanced wars too yeah, on the too. ds i, I thought that game was fantastic and uh it's because it's asynchronous and there's there's like challenge modes where it's like kill these guys in four turns do this in two turns that stuff is is entertaining so it's sort of like i have to crack this puzzle there's a way to do this mm-hmm. uh but when you're playing asynchronously i just kind of keep creating games and waiting for a stranger to play their turn and that stuff burns me out to the max oh it's so unappealing so i was really bummed out because i spent five bucks on this game it continues to want to sell me packs of everything to the point where, like, I say, okay, start my game. And it's like, which army do you want? And I've got, like, the guy, the, the knights that come with it. There's some elves that came with it. And then the TF2 guys come with it. And I said, you know, rant. And then I'm like, oh, well, what about this one? And it's grayed out. And I click on it. And it goes, oh, purchase. And blinks me to the Steam store. Just when I'm clicking on it to explore Just to it, you know? It even yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, God. So I was constantly, like, shift-tabbing away from the Steam store. So it was just this iOS paradigm straight to their game. Right. Even though I gave them $5 for it, which is way more than they're going to get from me on iOS. Right. Ever. Yeah. So you basically paid $5 for the TF2 pack. 
I guess. That's like, I mean, that's effectively how it's rationalized to them, probably. Right, right. Yeah, and I get, I think if next time I log into TF2, there will be a hat waiting for me. Sweet. So, stoked on it. that. I'll oh, probably man. do that before Score. I go on tonight. Yeah. I'm really did hoping we, it's. Did we ever talk about, we may have already talked about this, so just tell me if we did. Hold the, on. Uh... Are you changing subjects? I want to finish. <laughs> oh, we were prompted by this, but, but yeah, go ahead. Oh. Uh, well, now I don't remember. The point is, I was really bummed out about games at that moment, having bought right. that thing on Steam uh-huh. and paid $5. Yeah. But then a reader just happened to send me a Steam message and changed the course of my night with a gaming experience that we'll talk about in a was minute. Dota 2? No. Interesting. Intriguing. Intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, though. I was just going to... Well, <laughs> stay, stay, stay tuned. Tune into Serious Cheese. <laughs> Sorry. Did we, ever, um, did we ever talk about, uh, like... Words with friends and draw something on this on Idle Thumbs. I don't think that we ever actually have. I think Jake's the only one who's still deep into that words with friends. Yeah. I'm not. Well, I, yeah, I, I play know. against a couple of people still, but I used to be really deep in words yeah, with friends. But it was super, no, it was nothing compared to like as well. yeah. you two, Chris and Sean were just like oh, that was right. your life. Yeah, for a we while. had like six months. Was that were you here though, or was that when you were in Boston? <laughs> no, you were in Boston. Well, I think it, it spanned both. Yeah, yeah, but you and I, it was. You ended up, I think, beating me by two games to one. If we look, go back and look at the, the oh, probably, we played eighty. Games maybe a hundred. Yeah, played so. There were weeks where we would play like one a day. Yeah, there were days where we would play multiple. Yeah, yeah, yeah multiple yeah. games a day. Yeah, yeah. And I can't really figure out why I walked away from that game. At the oh, end I of can day. figure it out. I, but I did get incredibly burned out. Yeah, it was. It was Words with Friends was the first one, and like, and I it got to the point where I would realize I could turn on my phone, or I mean, I would, you know, pick up my phone and unlock it, and I would my notifications would be there, and it's like. Whoever has, like, Sean has played his turn. Like, this guy's played his turn. This guy's played his turn. This this person has played his turn. And I would go in and I would have, like, 13 games. And I would I would do them I would do them all. And by the time I'm done, there's, like, at least one of them is complete. I would go do something for a couple hours. I'd look at my phone and get 10 more Words with Friends games. And I, I got to the point where they was just so overwhelming that I just had to uninstall the program entirely. Ra- I mean, I'm sure I could have just ramped it down, I guess, but like, yeah. I, I just was so disgusted by the thought of like ever putting another word with a friend right. in there. Like, it just got horrible. I, so, so you, that, I mean, that is just true burnout. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas something burnout. like with draw, like draw. Well, I had the something. same exact experience with draw. Oh, my experience with draw something was finally just like, this is it for this game. This yeah. is it. And then it was right around the time that like Doritos started showing up. And I just oh, went, I was done before that. No, no, this is not for me. Yeah. This is just mm-mm, no. I still play a little bit of Words with Friends, but for me, it was one followed the other. Like I was deep into Words with Friends, and then I got deep into Draw Something for a minute. Mm-hmm. But then I I hit my wall in Draw Something, and I think it was about. Which is, I think, is this, this when we were sitting in the Pete's coffee shop in Millbury? Oh, that was that was actually what did it. Yeah, I remember that. I was there for the day he was. I'd I been, saw him. I've been playing a game, and, and it was going forever. Like it was, I was. We were on a huge streak because draw something is just the objective is pass a volley back and forth. We might have talked about this on a progress cast actually, but I was on turn ninety eight, or no, I was on turn ninety nine. And I was like, check this shit out. And I held my phone over to you. And then the pencil touched the top of it. And it just turned over to 99 again. And we were both like, <laughs> what the fuck? This game isn't even, what? Because the game has no, literally no win condition. The game doesn't offer yeah, you anything but for it running a great streak. But it doesn't support being good enough at it that you've played through 100 turns. Right. And so have- I just assume, because it didn't offer you anything, the victor, like the win condition of that game, the joy of that game was one day opening your phone and just having like, turn 940. 
Like right. just having this obscene number. Yeah, yeah. But for no. me, getting tired of draw something is also what made me like. I basically just went in and declined all active words with friends games. Mm, yeah. Declined all of my draw something games, and. Based on Draw Something's performance and Zynga's current state of affairs, that <laughs> may like have actually to... happened to a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. they paid two hundred million for Draw Something, and then, like yeah. two weeks later, everyone was just like, "Whoa, whoa asynchronous!" Well, blah. Like it just, it just yeah, died. Yeah. It I remember weird. it was a few days. I stopped playing it flatly like two days or one day before Zynga yeah. bought them. It was re- not. It was not. Yeah, even I remember that. It was just total coincidence. I remember a lot of people yeah. I knew had dropped Draw Something, and yeah. it was like two hundred million. I remember it was crazy. The day they bought it, I feel like. Was like that game's best performing day ever. Yep. And then the day yeah. after they bought them, it was just daily users declining ever since. Yep. Which is crazy because obviously it wasn't most people going, oh, Zynga, I'm done with this. Like that obviously wasn't the case. No, it, right. it was just a case of them buying it. OMG literally Pop just like its served most that wave out of there. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they served that wave out of there into a three year obligated Zynga employment contract, probably. <laughs> right. But um, yeah. yeah. I feel like everybody has. X amount of asynchronous gameplay hours inside their body, and we all just burn. Like as a society, right. people are just rapidly burning yeah. through them. It's like a yeah. An, an, Some people swear by asynchronous though. Like Soren Johnson is super into it. To what end though? Like I don't really he haven't heard Soren. He just thinks it's a really good model for multiplayer games. Yeah, I mean, it's not a. I don't think there's anything inherent about asynchronous gameplay that makes it bad, but I think. The casual game paradigm being built on top of asynchronous has just completely burned me out. Mm-hmm. I put, I think my, if you open my Steam account today, it probably says 27 minutes of Hero Academy. Right. And I just went, oh my God, I spent $5 on this. <laughs> like in that five, it was so funny in that moment, like $5 felt like so much money to me that was gone. $10 an hour. You know, it is just a, just a, even a little bit more than that. Uh, but yeah, a couple of years ago, I was like, when I first moved into the city, I was playing uh, Adam, our housemate, and Words with Friends a lot. And it got to the point that we would just sit at the kitchen table for two hours, just basically like eyeing each other over our phones, <laughs> like ma- yeah. like the move we made, and then just like boop, stare down, waiting for the sink to show. You guys up. were effectively then just then playing Scrabble at that moment. Yeah, yeah, but it got like, and then we would just break away and keep playing during the day and then come back Gross. and play at night like whatever it was just it was it was fun it was just really yeah like heads up scrabble matches but that was a real oh, I mean, that, that was a fun gross time idea to me that was a fun yeah. time because like you would hear somebody on the other side of the house it was mainly adam you'd hear just go it'll that you'd just hear him just go yeah way down the hallway like what are we talking here like 84 like what yeah but burned out completely yeah so I was really, I mean, like I said, I was sitting at my computer, I was really sort of bummed. Like, I haven't bought a game on Steam since the Steam sale, really. And I haven't bought a new game on Steam in a while. And this is the one that I sort of went, eh, you know what? Like, we'll I'm it. back in, but yeah, I can, it felt All like right. the right. Either video games are awesome or shitty, and the next game I buy is going to determine it forever. Here we go. Click. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, <whoops. laughs> Why did I buy a Hero Academy casual game? And it's, I mean, again, like, if you, like, I don't have any way to really complain about the game. It's a really, it's slick, it's well polished. Like if you like asynchronous casual strategy games, check it out. If you sure. like dumb bullshit, then by all means. That's what I'm saying exactly. You really paraphrased me quite well there, Chris. That was really <laughs> nice. I like that. Uh, but no, so I'm sitting there and I get this this message from a reader 
It says, oh, hey, I heard you talking about space on the last podcast. Like, oh, yeah, that was that. Was that's the, so it was voice chat, and that's what he sounded like? Yeah. Oh, hey. And, oh, uh, hey, what's up? I don't know. I assume everybody's always kind of like, if you send somebody an, an IM who you don't know in like 1030 at night, I just imagine that's the tone. Like, uh, You're hey, discouraging and, uh, anybody from <laughs> No, after this, you should totally do it. But you have a, a high bar to cross. Have you played Space Engine? Space Engine? No, I've never heard of Space Engine. Oh, man. oh my gosh! We're gonna play it tonight before. Oh, it's already late, but oh my gosh! So Space Engine, this Russian guy mm-hmm. has this. I don't know if it's open source, but it's this free universe simulator where he's taken the as stuff, in the universe, as Let's in our universe, <laughs> as in the actual the universe that we exist in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he's taken the tele- like the astronomic data from. Oh, there was a, I can't remember the name of it, but in the late 90s, there was a, a program that's kind of V1 for mapping all the stars, and they, mm-hmm. uh, for as far as we can, we can see at the time, and all of the planet data that we know about, and built a procedurally generated space where you can go to any single star or any single planet. So it's procedurally generated, but it's... Based on no, sorry. Everything that's not been mapped is procedurally generated, but uh, everything else is uh, is LOD down to the fact that you can go all the way up to the surface of the sun and all the way out to just the edges of knowledge. Wait, so okay, so sorry, just to, so I understand. So everything that we have mapped is actually being re- represented, accurately represented, and then everything beyond that is procedurally is like, generated. Oh, that's crazy. It is amazing. It is so. This is what you do. You download the game. You download. You install the patch. It's like. The quickest way to do it, by the way, is to um, there's a link to the torrent. Do that; it's faster than downloading it from a mirror. And uh, there's also a link to the patch, which is like 30 megs to download that and get it set up. Takes two seconds. Then also create a Pandora station for like <laughs> Italian like opera. Like I think Maria Callas was the person I picked. Uh-huh. And just just be in it. Just <laughs> lick it up. Just get in there. And I. It's basically a, a, a majesty renderer. It is like, a majesty like renderer. Like, you get close to a star and it starts sort of, like, flaring out and looking crazy. And yeah. then when it goes off camera, the flare disappears. And then it, you spin back around and just... Uh, it's it's ridiculous. unbelievable. Things occlude other things and do... Uh, yeah, right. Uh, and then you just fly at, like, four billion times want. the speed of light. You just whizzing through yeah. space and then stop in the middle of another galaxy cluster. You can fly, like, like, it, like it, something like... Uh, let's see. There's, well, I was flying at like 23 parsecs a second, which is like 500 light years a second. But you could also fly five meters a second, and you can just have that entire range of speed at your disposal on the mouse wheel. Okay. So you're just like you're flying yeah. through space, and I'm like, oh, like I did this thing where I was like, I flew. I just, well, you just saw a little blip. spiral galaxy that was just like tiny. Yeah. For like three minutes of travel at like. A thousand times the speed of light. Yeah, and, and then, then it's it just like went, a... and then you're just inside of a spiral galaxy. Or you're out the other side. Or of you it. just yeah, <laughs> we just went, yeah. and you're just whoa. Oh, hold on, back oh, up. I gotta turn. Around, I gotta turn. Around. Yeah, and there's three different fly modes. There's sort of like Wazda first person mode where mm-hmm. you just sort of like look and move. First person space, and then there's a rocket mode. So where imagine you're in a spaceship. So where like. Wait, it actually renders the spaceship? No, no, no. Just oh, okay. it no, Chris, he said, imagine you're in a spaceship. Yeah. Wow. He said, wait, wait, so you're in a spaceship? <laughs> but it's it sort of, you can move, um, 
you can imagine a spaceship having thrusters that kind of like drift you left and I drift you right. That. Like, <laughs> oh, and then there's also like airplane mode where you're always kind of moving towards where you're looking. Mm-hmm. There's like, airplane like, mode where 3G uh, is disabled. Yes. It's like, <laughs> good one, Jake. God. <laughs> I'll be killing myself. Now. What sucks is you've been sort of like, oh, it's like this. Oh, there's an airplane. Oh, I can do that too. And you're just being like, King Smarm right now, <laughs> but you're gonna go home and install this game and just call me openly weeping. Oh no, it sounds genuinely awesome. I don't. Like, that's what the reader the said. Game. I can't. I'm so sorry, reader. I can't remember your name uh, or even your Steam name. And I wasn't kidding about the spaceship. I thought you meant you were a spaceship. That wasn't Smarm. Oh okay. <laughs> you had a, you had a, you had a look when you said imagine. I thought you meant like imagine like right that's what presently. The game is I need you, you to doing. imagine like, yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. that's in the game. No, no, no. You have an ima- like. It is be- – it's the camera behaves a certain You way. have an imaginary spaceship. <laughs> Just, it doesn't draw, but it's there. Well, it's like Wonder Woman. Yeah. That's invisible. Yeah. The spaceship is not imaginary in Wonder Woman. That's just an invisible spaceship. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. I'm just – it's important to articulate Wonder Woman's the plane is, in fact, powered by her belief in the existence of that plane. <laughs> it's like the food from Hook? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> what are we talking about? Space. Anyway, it's yeah. cool. The reader actually said, like, this game made me cry. And I was like, I reserved all, like, just a thousand jokes. And then, at least you didn't say that in, in reader voice. You're like, uh, asterisk, I roll, asterisk is the uh, reply. But yeah. then you were oh, really, asterisk, saying, oh, really? Asterisk, countdown to tears, asterisk, asterisk. You were asterisk. basically flying through space saying, should have sent a poet. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just had blaring opera music coming out of my computer. And I'm like, Jake, Jake, come in here and look at this. And you're like, I don't look at just don't look at me though. Just don't look at me. <laughs> just look at space. Just look at space. <laughs> He's like, I can't. It sounds too majestic. Yeah, it was. It's really some majesty coming out of there. Uh, and it's funny. The thing about it that's so great is it reminds me of a thing I like a lot about a lot of open world games that is sort of a meta game I've always played for myself in games that are really big, which is I just want to see if I can get to that place. Yeah, I just yeah. want to, oh, I'm just mm-hmm. pick a point of the way. That's how I played all of Skyrim. Open the map. That looks. Cool. I'm gonna go over there and I just drop a thing and I'm like. The journey will be in the getting there. And uh, that's exactly how I play this game. It's not even a game. It's a simulator. There's no mechanics other than flying around. Right. There's no nothing to achieve. Mm-hmm. But um, it was amazing. Like it, I found myself like Googling like closest Earth-like planet. Like If you look right. at my Google history for last <laughs> night, it's just it looks like I'm going insane. Yeah. <laughs> closest Earth-like planet. And so I find like these are the three that people think could be mm-hmm. the most like Earth. I'm like, going to those. And there's a whole um, index of everything that's mapped in the game. So you can bring up a list and search by, you know, Sagittarius 9 or whatever and just go right there and check it out. But also, um, the recent patch put in, like, surface deets, like, known surface detail for continents. So you can go, like, all the way down to, like... On other planets? Yeah. Crazy. It's bananas. It's absolutely bananas. Yeah. The LLD going into planet surfaces can get a little funky if they just sort of let it load. And you'll see it. It's got a little, like, load bar at the bottom that's going really fast. Uh, this whole thing is actually really reminiscent of Will Wright's original demo for Spore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, except Spore obviously was totally procedurally generated, but I remember when I first saw the video of that GDC panel and he was in the planet and then just went and scrolled out to the galaxy and everyone just, like, shat themselves 300,000 times. This is like that, except it has the... Like, the, the fact that Spore was procedurally generated was super cool, but in this, when you zoom out and see a galaxy and then you're just like... 
Well, that's as close as we can represent what it actually is in the reality in which we live right now. Like, there is something really right. awesome yeah, about yeah, that. No, totally. But, like, we were, no. I was standing there, and the only time I showed Jake the game, I was, I was, I'd been playing for a while. And, uh, Jake came home, I was like, Jake, come in here, I gotta check this out, dude. And we're, I'm flying through space, just looking at stuff. And I stop, and there's just a star field in front of me, it just looks like I'm looking at the night sky. Mm-hmm. Like, point to a star. He's like, what do you mean? Like, just point to any star you see on the screen. He's like, Boop, that one. One out of, you know, there's probably 1,500 stars on the screen. And I just point at it and just go, we're going there. Shh. And I get the, like, speed dialed in. I'm like, oh, getting too close, getting too close. And we get there, and there's just a whole solar system around that star that's just made. It's fucking <laughs> yeah. incredible. Like, there's yeah. this great quote from an astronaut that's, I'm going to butcher it. I think it's on my Facebook page or something Space like that. Space is rad. Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> I walked on your face. <laughs> um, that is just, he says something about when you see the earth from way out there on the moon, you want to go and grab like the smarmiest, shittiest politician, grab him by the scruff of oh, the neck, yeah. pull him out to the moon and say, look at that, you son of a bitch. Now go back and do your job, essentially. Yeah. And the game just is that in spades. You just yeah. sit there like, I just sat between the earth and the moon for probably like f- three minutes last night. Like going a little closer and a little further back, and be like, Jesus, oof, weird, oof, kind of getting semi nauseous and semi emotional. <laughs> I saw yeah. this amazing letter today uh, that was written by a like an assistant director of NASA uh, in I can't I like the eighties maybe, and uh, uh, and it was he was responding to a letter written written to him by uh, a nun from like, Zambia, I believe. And uh, and she was saying, why why are you spending billions of dollars on the space program when there are children starving in the world and and this money could be used for so many better purposes? And he he wrote just this amazing letter in response that was like really thoughtful and respectful and like just very much about how you know advances in the space program have led to all number of innovations mm-hmm. that like cross many different social boundaries and, and like areas of life, but it was also, yeah, just totally full of uh, just inspirational shit mm-hmm. about space and science. And he included that photograph of the, uh, that really famous photograph taken from the moon right. of earth, like earth rise, mm-hmm. I think is the name of the photograph. And uh, you know, I mean, we've all seen that photo a million times, but I thought of this be- from what you were just saying, because he, the way he framed it was just amazing because he's like, this was the first when people saw this, this was the first time that anyone had ever seen the Earth this way, like isolated out in this vast, infinite, black, just, just nothingness, right? you know, just surrounded by, like, just this little oasis in the middle of, like, just the most vast, imaginable uh, space. And it was, a, it was just an amazing thing to reflect on. Like, we've never, like, in our lifetimes... That hasn't really been the case. Like we've seen a million. Yeah, we've all uh, we've always just taken that image for granted. Yeah, that's what the Earth looks like. Duh. Yeah, yeah. We've also but experienced if, a billion post that photo sci-fi movies and games where you just do. That's it's true. It's just like you just like zip around in space. Right. Like, you're just like oh, a, the yeah. opening of like Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. Just the first thing it shows. Oh, Earth floating or like whatever. Yeah, like posters in your kindergarten classroom. Yeah. Like you're just it's yeah. Anyway, it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know why I'm bringing this up. It just it, what you were talking about reminded me of it. Like it just. It was crazy to me to actually try and put myself in the because I mean, probably some people listening to this podcast who did have that experience, like, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just it's an amazing thing for me to try and imagine encountering that in that yeah. frame of mind yeah. in that way. 
it never gets like when I think about that image or just the uh, Earth alone in space. That never, it's never the feelings that come with that have never diluted for me, ever for some reason. And the game is, or the simulator is definitely. It was amazing to me that this thing set out to do a very ambitious thing. A very like vast thing, which is take all the infinite, not infinite, but all the finite knowledge of how we've mapped uh, our universe, recreate that, and then on top of that, fill in the gaps with like procedurally generated stuff mm-hmm. to really just that. That's just the goal. Like it's clear, very clear on its face of the game uh, what the goal of its creation was. Like how well can I do this? Mm-hmm. And then to achieve these sort of very nuanced, small emotional things inside that just makes the whole simulation like sort of the value of knowledge of that space self-evident, you know, and it's like, yeah, you sit there and think about that crap and it makes the free download completely worth it. (laughs) Yeah, you know. uh, So is this one guy who made this? As far as I can tell, his That's patch crazy. notes are like, oh, I thought it'd be cool if I put more detail into the surface of the moon, right. so I did it. I like your voices for everyone involved. <laughs> He's Russian. I was him through a translator. Oh, okay. <laughs> Please. Um, yeah, I thought it was an open source like community project, but if somebody knows more about it, actually, send me some links about where I can read up about What's it. it ma- again? Spaceengine.org is the website. Sweet. And uh, I looked to see if he had like an about. I looked for a Wikipedia page today. I wanted to be armed with all manners of knowledge, but mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything. So if you know anything, uh, definitely send along some links. I'd love to read them. Cool. You guys want to take a break? Yeah, yeah take a break. break. I'm going to show you a YouTube of this thing. It's amazing. Anyway, a reader was playing Dota when he just got into while listening to a podcast, and Ursa this bear as he's like doing things and getting kills he's like oh yes another kill and apparently the reader in his head as he was playing the game was separating out the verbal stuff from the lip smacking and thought it was just you or chris on the podcast (laughs) going yeah and another thing about that (laughs) <laughs> it's like, why is this a new Idle Thumbs thing? <laughs> it's a new eating sounds episode. <laughs> oh, video games. That's a 10. God, I thought you were just going to do a giant spit take on purpose right there, right in Chris's face. <laughs> I couldn't what? figure out why. The way you went for the water. <laughs> that would have been really bad. It would have been funny as shit, but it would have been bad. It would have been pretty bad, though. It would have had a negative impact on the evening, but it would yeah. have been funny. It probably would not be a podcast tonight or ever again. <laughs> it would have spiked to funny. Spit and water then... all over my face? Yeah, that would be a tough one. You could deal with it. I would deal with it, but it would be weird for a day <laughs> or a week. I'd see you next week, and we'd be like, ha-ha, I just forget anything that happened. Just and you'd do it again. And then... <laughs> I'd wait until a minute before we were done recording the episodes. Spouts. One thumb tile torn I leave with it. Anyway, I'm going to go write that description now. <laughs> There's somebody speaking Simlish outside, and it's just driving me nuts. 
Just what? You just hear that woman outside. The woman outside? She's just from Gravity Bone. Yeah. No, she's more... She's simlish. I said, I'm going to the place. You should just talk like that the whole episode. So, Sean, what did you think about that Babel game? Oh, see, that's... Timely. A timely Tower of Babel reference. He was speaking in tongues, you see. Yeah, that was like three... That was three jokes in one right there. Wow. Anyway, I'm g- I, I can a see met, the I'm outside out. of my brain right now. <laughs> Your Kickstarter funds at work. God, we should have made a cl- classic road sign that said that. Put it in front of everything we do. <laughs> just put it near us. Like, yeah, like those your tax dollars at work. Exactly. You always is like that. It's always foregrounding a guy who's just like reaching into his pants to move his balls around a little bit. <laughs> Always. Like, you never see one of those signs and a guy behind it is just, like, wiping sweat off his brow. I like, he's, like, jackhammer sitting there for a second. Okay, back to work. It's always just, like, oh, I just left testicles in a weird spot. That was, um... It is. Not the balls part, but the sign part. Uh, when I was living in Santa Cruz and I was in college, I walked past some park that had the Your Tax Dollars at Work thing up. And then at the very bottom of it, it just had a signature that said Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that was the first time that I was like, okay, this is fucking weird. <laughs> the world in which we live is weird. Arnold, like, Your Tax Dollars at Work. Conan Arnold the Barbarian. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the Terminator. Like, <laughs> ugh. And then, of course, you know, in small text underneath, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Governor, like <laughs> it's amazing that he was governor of California. I know it's so weird. <laughs> I think it's a testament to the, the fortitude of Californians at the state still here. After that, it's yeah, great. <laughs> Good job, us. Only forty billion or whatever we are in debt. I don't know enough about it to talk intelligently. This is why it's on the break. But apparently, EA is partnering with like tomahawk makers and people who make like magazine clip holders and bandoliers and shit to make real world like weapon paraphernalia it seems like weapon accessories i think it's going i think it's all the way to guns i don't think they're actually making submachine guns but i think that they're like we need to we just don't know enough about this to talk about i know i was just i was doing a break i was reading about it when we were talking to kirk last night it sounded like it was all the way up to like sponsored cross-linking to firearm acquisition. I want somebody to actually show me that they are like co-branding a Kimber 40 caliber handgun. That's what I want to see. But right now, even the fact that like you probably don't, how does a lawyer let EA put their logo on a tomahawk that could then be photographed inside of a human being's head and submitted <laughs> yeah, as evidence. That was, I think it was, I think Alex Navarro tweeted about that, where he's just like, EA just, I mean, you should know they that fired every a- reporter in the entire world is already coming up with the horrible pun headline for when one of your weapons inevitably actually kills a human being. Yeah, I mean. The, all the, of that was a horrible Are the lawyers also. at like <laughs> an offsite? Of, yeah. They came back, the lawyers all just got sent to like, like, like Vegas for a cool offset came back and they're like, oh, what's, what's, up? what's what happened? Well, I was gone. You did oh what? With who? God. Heckler and Koch. Is that, you mean like, okay. Right. Okay. Well, just this- give me, just go get me some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Door closed, locked. All conference room doors locked, filled, just lawyers. What happened is they sent all the lawyers to an offsite. Greenlit this bullshit. They came back, heard about it. All the lawyers actually killed themselves with the prototypes. <laughs> and now there's nobody to defend them. And go, 
<laughs> killed themselves with the Call of Duty branded. Right. The, like, the lawyers yeah. all locked themselves in the room yeah. to solve the problem, For but then they didn't realize they were yeah. locked in the room with the prototype weapons. <laughs> yeah. It just, you know how it started, too? He came in, the it guy. It turned to 12 the angry first men, lawyer. except they all had guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first lawyer came back and he was like, feeling tan, and he like looks at the, like, the receptionist. He's like, Mark, like, what's up, man? Mark, are way up. Mark, what's up, man? He's like, how's it going? I was like, God. He's like, yeah, man, it was a really good offside. It was great. And then, um, he bumps into a guy in the hallway or in a lobby. He's leaving. He's like, "Oh, excuse me." He's like, "Excuse me." He's like, "Oh, wait, like, like, what? Do you have a meeting here? Do you need something?" Like, "Oh, no, no, we're just leaving. We're from uh, Smith and Wesson." Anyway, we left you your gift bag in your office, like, right? Yeah. And then, then, then he then walks he out. out another guy, like, 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 yeah, he's like, click, click, click. "Oh, hi, yeah, oh, your counsel for Winchester." <laughs> Weird. Okay. Yeah. Great. Then though, he All walks right. past some VP. Who's like, "Big day today." Just like <laughs> walks giving out, him the gun, yeah, just walks past him. Yeah. <laughs> what the? Oh, what's going God, on here? Is, and then yeah. the secretary just crying outside yeah. of the outside of the actual like what over EA. like a bloody corpse? No, like, no, no. Oh. I mean, just like because all because she's she knows, a sensitive, she's empathetic human these, being. Like, the, like, yeah, whoever the receptionist is like just been has been watching all these people come in and taking these appointments down. And like that guy just knows yeah. this lawyer's coming back. And he's just like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so I tried to tell them. But they didn't know. It's like, uh, and that's Sheila, when the guy breaks into a run. Is there a reason like, I have an appointment with Armalite? Uh, I'm having a weird day. Yeah. If you're a lawyer or general counsel for electronic arts, get in touch at questions at thumbs.net. <laughs> you're still alive. Saturday morning stream. <laughs> Providing commentary on the... Contracts drawn up between your company and every gun manufacturer on the planet. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, that is a really weird. Like, I don't know what to make of it, but it's really. I mean, other, I know exactly what to make of it. Oh, okay, which sorry, is horrible. Sorry, I, I, I know what to make of it in that regard. I want to know what the actual details. Right? Are yeah, are. I want to see the actual guns. Actual, oh, <laughs> I want. Yes, it can't be guns. It can't be actual firearms. It can't be. Here's the thing. It's not even worth really discussing in, hy- in the hypothetical other than just imagining this lawyer's day, which has brought me joy <laughs> tonight. <pretty> good. <laughs> but the line is just anything. It's not like, well, if it's like a holster, okay. The line is just anything, right? If it's just a bullet. <laughs> it can't be ammunition. Why not? I don't know. But even the, apparently, like, a tomahawk is an actual thing, which is just, at every level of decision-making, is grotesque. Even just, hi, uh, my name's Brian, I'm a weapons designer on this game, and I was thinking it'd be really cool for, um, you know, like, Modern Warfare, like, the melee combat's really good in that game, and uh, ours, you know, is good, but, like, we should really have, like, a very signature thing you know theirs is like the like the knife stabber guy like what if ours was like a tomahawk like a sign of like american history of really just what if it was that and then somebody needs to just say no right then that that's actually maybe a weapon that's used to cleave open somebody's head is not what we need in the video game (laughs) about real why is everything else in the video game better than the tomahawk i just i do feel like a tomahawk especially is embroiled in so many issues of sort of grotesque violence and prejudice from are, American history. What are the odds of the Tomahawk showing up in Assassin's Creed 3? High. Uh, but I mean, it's historical. It's a little different, I think, right? The uh, concept of, okay, if somebody said, oh, this guy you went to high school with 
did three tours and just brought a tomahawk with him into to Crete and happened to kill a couple people with it. Wouldn't that mean something different than the guy who uses a tomahawk on the field of battle in 1775? That's fair, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the only thing. I'm. That's the thing. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, video games. So the you play so, them. Oh, you're looking so it up. The EA Warfighter page apparently does include a sponsored link to the TAC 300 McMillan tactical rifle Magnum action with a link. See rifles available for immediate delivery. So this is just a co-brand, a co. Co-marketing? Yeah, I guess. That's really weird, though. So the deal is the website for this game has affiliate links to buy rifles. That's the deal. I think it's sort of like you can't buy a Ford Mustang from the Gran Turismo people, but they will link you to the Ford Mustang page on the Gran Turismo webpage. To which, what if you kill somebody in your Ford Mustang? You can't sue Sony. Or can you? You can sue anybody. I learned that from Oscar. You can sue a ham sandwich. I don't think it's going to be an issue of lawsuits so much as it's going to be an issue of insane media insanity. Right. It's just it's at one just point. an issue of taste. I was just going to say it's an issue of taste. Well, yeah. that goes without saying. But, I mean, it is kind of a decent. <sighs> Never mind. No, I was going to walk it back from a different angle, but I think that would be that would be folly. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's weird. It is really, really strange, uh, but there also it's like, but there are things that are going to be co-branded that I read in that in an article that JP just posted on Twitter, where things are going to be co-branded and also proceeds go to like the Wounded Warriors Foundation and like, like, like these sort of like veterans foundations, which again feels really weird to me. I don't know. It's just the whole thing is a weird, just implicit strong endorsement of like just an entire system. Right. Like, it means the whole thing is just sort of like, fuck yeah, military industrial complex. Like right. all parts of it right. are like sponsored by our game for some reason. It's just weird. Right. This is a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, you actually made a good point about this once about how you were saying that like, if I can't remember the exact point, so don't let me put words in your mouth here. And I know you won't, but about, game developers being like oh yeah the army brought us inside we learned about all these yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. and like how sort of that's incredibly tasteless yeah in it's, in an art form where you're trying to like, you can you can anything. now never critique them in right. your text yeah because of the right. exclusive there's, yeah. there's this like shield that if you're making a military game you like put up this shield which is like yeah we we made sure to like get all the access we could and get all the official stories from all the people and like talk to all these current or former you know special ops people or whatever and this and that which is not like bad necessarily but there's all they all sort of shroud themselves it seems to me in this notion of like military legitimacy right where it's all like yeah this is totally like the real thing but it's always the real thing within this very specific context of just like super respectful in the tonal ways, but, like, obviously the gameplay usually isn't. It's just whatever same old gameplay. Um, and it just seems like you just... It's hard for me to imagine saying something really interesting in that context right. if you're always worried about offending, like, these... Yeah. You know, like, this institution that you're trying to 
to depict in a positive, like a positive way. And like do not some. That, sort, it's not like you you're doing just yeah. like try and dump on the army. Like I don't mean you no. should just be like just disrespectful and shitty. But like they're if you're if you're just from square one starting from this point of like we need to make sure that we're right like Even putting just, this in the in a good light and like just making sure that everything's a okay and hunky dory. You're not even going to be able to talk about what is difficult or interesting about exactly. serving in the military. Like right. not what sucks or why it's stupid, but just like what's interesting about it yeah. besides or rolling out from behind like, a thing and yeah. popping a guy. Well, the even face. then, it's yeah. like I feel like if you went up to any service member who experienced like violent action and was over the course of time and said, what was the hardest decision you had to make while in your service? Everybody's got to have one where it's like, dude, this guy like ran his car into our convoy and he wouldn't get out. And everybody thought he had a bomb on him and nobody knew. And we were there for two hours and we were on the radio with our CO and he's telling us to kill the guy. And the guy is trying to get out of the guy won't get out of the car. And now the guy's, won't stay in the car and we don't know what to do. And like, finally, like he comes out of the car and he starts trying to take his, like he starts reaching under his shirt. I think he's got a gun or a bomb. So this guy shoots him. And it turns out he was reaching for his Quran. And you're like, okay, fucking shit. Okay. Jesus. Like, that's a thing, you know? And like, how do you even begin to get into that stuff and let people make their own sort of judgments about how that stuff feels to them and try to depict that as honestly as possible. If you've got people being like, Oh, don't show that. Also, hey, check out – you can buy this sweet tactical rifle <laughs> from our website. That's a story from NPR that there was some guy who was yeah, on no, the – yeah, you heard, I heard that story, that. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, That fucking story. I was just like yeah, – I had to it park. Was, it was awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, wasn't that the uh... – There's the guy from EOD who did a lot of bomb yeah, – d- yeah. Oh, right. Stuff. It was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote yeah, that yeah, book. Yeah. He wrote the book about it, yeah. Yeah, there's a great interview with uh, – I can't remember his name, but he's a guy from EO- – it's probably like a month and a half ago. He was with uh, um, Terry Gross on Fresh Air and mm-hmm. just talks about, again – like the stuff that is actually like inter like personally fascinating about the, the challenges yeah, a lot of, of the war. Stuff that's defining about modern. I mean, that's the irony is all these games are called like modern warfare and battlefield, modern combat, and all that shit. And it's all modern this, modern that, but it's all just like shoot all the guys. Like the actual defining hallmarks of modern warfare are those weird situations. Like yeah. that doesn't that didn't exist in like World War Two. Right. That wasn't the same. Not that war wasn't terrible for other. Not that it wasn't right. psychologically difficult for other totally different reasons. It seems right. like it was terrible for, but, terrible for reasons which are closer to what is mechanically happening in modern warfare. Yeah, in some cases. I mean, there's also just degree. like the Holocaust and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, of course. But um, but yeah, like that's the situation that you just like recounted now. Like that's a pretty specific, you know, like horrible part of like basically from Vietnam on. It's like a, right. you know, pretty defining hallmark of, of sort of like the modern era of, conflicts not wars necessarily yeah right yeah and that's just never it's just not represented also way more no. asymmetrical situations yeah exactly yeah absolutely. yeah and i mean well and it's funny like you, you stop playing it but um spec ops kind of tries to deal with a right. lot of that stuff um i don't know how much it really succeeds but it's i'm glad someone tried i suppose yeah um it's an interesting game yeah although it, although it too fundamentally like the game game is largely just Right, Cover, which is actually, I mean, I, I kind of got to the one of the points where it's like, whoops, or like, oh, do I kill this guy or not, and things like that, and you could, I saw that stuff creeping in, you know, when you're going through the, there's a mission where you're in what seems to be like a, a relatively fancy condo, like very tall condo building, mm-hmm. and people have sort of made little encampments for themselves in between rooms and stuff like that, and you're going from the top to the bottom, yeah. killing these guys, and... 
uh, a woman runs out and you can accidentally, like I accidentally shot that woman, the first kind of innocent you see in the entire game. Uh, and then you, you come up against what you think is like one of the like, key dudes who has information, who's got a guy at gunpoint and you can shoot him or not. And I got that far in the game. That's sort of that first choice moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm, t- I'm curious as to what you think about this. The, because the game is such a by the numbers shooter for the first couple hours. Yeah, for for most of the game in terms of the actual right. Gameplay, it yeah. feels like the first time I accidentally killed an innocent woman, um, and I felt that was impactful, but I felt manipulated. It's like it felt like playing a gun game when like the the, the woman runs up from behind the bank counter is like, oh no, I gotta get out of here. And like, oh wait, shoot the robbers, not the you know. Right. When you play a game, you get into these sort of like habitual places of expectation, and then. Mm-hmm. It well, felt I think like that's you know part somebody. Of what the game's about though. It is what the game is about, but that's just I don't know if that's. I appreciate that that's what the game's about, but is that the most interesting thing it could have been about? Which is how can we manipulate the habits of players to make them realize what they're doing? Well, the thing that Jake looks like you want to say something. Go ahead, talk about talk about spec ops for a sec. I was just going to say the th- I I'm partially. I partially agree with you, and I partially disagree with you. And I, I'm sort of just exploring my opinion. Actually, no, I don't know if I have an opinion on sure, it. Sure, fair enough. But I, yeah. uh, so on the one hand, I think it is a valid, I think it's a valid thing to do. Um, sort of the notion of like, I mean, what they kind of tried to do in Spec Ops is present this very standard kind of gameplay baseline, and then say, then try to raise questions about what you're actually doing. Like, what is it? What does that actually represent when you play a character who just goes through this just hours and hours and hours of just killing and killing and killing and sort of just ha- having situations like the one you describe and, mm-hmm. and just being the result of just being in this habitu- habituated state? Um, and that is interesting, but the, the thing that frustrates me about it is that it feels like that's kind of the only way games are ever subversive or the only ways games ever try to make an interesting point about about any of that stuff, which is like Bioshock. And, and, uh, these are games I, I like. I was just like, say Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, Bioshock, like System Shock 2, um, uh, like Braid to some degree. Like there's a lot of games that do that, that sort of present you just traditional gameplay stuff and then like pull the rug out from on you and be like, oh, check out what you've been doing or like check out why your character did this even though you were just doing it because it was a video game. So, and oh, go ahead. And, and all I'm saying is like that's the kind of thing where the – Every every time I play a game that does that, it gets less meaningful, and it gets to the point where I'm just realize like it start. And I know this isn't actually the case, but it, it whenever I encounter that in a game at this point, it makes me wonder like is this the only subversive thing a game can say? Like is this are there just not other ways to like make an interesting point that through like why why is this always the thing that that is the way game designers decide to to you know have have a it's just tough because I feel like the, what it really means is we're not willing to actually discard the gameplay that we're ostensibly criticizing, right? Like Spec Ops is, is a lot of it is about how how just the shittiness of that habituation and like the – can breed – or like the habituation itself can breed really negative results and like can end up with this character who who just goes to this world just mowing people down and like look how horrific this is. But, of course, no one who's making any of these games would actually be willing to step away from that gameplay paradigm in the game itself. Like, they're still just going to keep making games that are just full of you going and mowing down a thousand guys. But they sort of try and have their cake and eat it, too, by also being like, and look, at I'm pointing out how 
how horrific this is. I remember, but like everyone's just going to keep making those games, right? Like it's right. not going to. No one's going to not make that game. I think you and I went to a press event. It was like Tony Hawk's American Wasteland and one of the early Call, Call of Duty, Duty spinoffs. Two. I think it was Call of Duty 2. And that was yeah. the first – I don't know if earlier Call of Duty or Medal of Honor games had done this. But it was the first time I'd played a like really war-themed game where when I died, the screen would fade out and then fade up a really poignant quote about the travesty right. of war. Right, yeah. And that like that was the first time that I sort of saw that where I was like, oh, well – War is actually this. Anyway, <laughs> yep. Here's your six objectives and fifteen sub objectives. Throw that grenade in that window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, right. Yeah. The, it's actually beneath the tooltip where it's like press right bumper to throw that, concussion yeah, grenade before really, entering a room. I remember finding that incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Um, but when when you were talking about uh, that moment in Spec Ops, the line where you where you killed that poor woman, uh-huh. the, <laughs> killed that poor. The, fir- the first and only thing that I thought about is. Uh, this tiny game, The Visit, by Marius Feitzek. Uh, oh my yeah, yeah. gosh! The, he was an intern at Telltale, and now he's an intern. Uh, he was he was a cinematic intern at Telltale, and now he's an animator, an animation intern at Double Fine. I think he's mm-hmm. the guy who made that adventure game that went up on Kotaku, asking for an internship at Double Fine. But at a game jam, he made a game which is basically just a complete. I mean, I don't think it's supposed to be as self-aware as what we're talking about, or as as I almost just gave it credit for, but it is just a complete on-the-nose version of that, where you're playing what looks like a platformer, and then your life just goes to complete shit, but then it just, the stupidity of that just keeps stacking yeah, and stacking really and good. stacking, where, like, you go to court, but then we've discovered that in the middle of the court trial, you can also escape from that and then murder people inside of that scene. Like, it just yeah. goes, it just, yeah. Um We'll put a link to it up. Yeah, on, we'll put it on the blog. On the blog. It's like impossible to find, so we yeah. remember to put a, but, a link um, for you. It's it's a goofy game that you replay five or six times over like just to see all the over five or six minutes. But yeah, you can just keep kind of ruining this guy's life through just doing stupid and stuff in a life. game and everyone's life. It's good, uh, but yeah, that game starts off right off the bat with with that exact trope of oh, you thought you were doing this, but you're actually doing this. But it seems very aware of that and just keeps keeps playing it out in a way that's really fun yeah anyway that's a goofy game but i had to, i had to <laughs> oh, mention yeah. it when you're like it's a really good it's a good thing to bring up yeah um i hear he's actually cross-branding that game with red lobster <laughs> what that's what? true it's a joke i'm be funny after you play the game oh that's true that's something that'll Thanks, land John. after you it's got crabs in it come back and listen to this 10 seconds again after <laughs> go go play the game right now and come back and then i hit the 30 second rewind button on your podcast player and then <laughs> So wow. it's unfortunate that by the th- – well, when this episode comes out, I guess people will just be about to play it. But I'm super fucking excited for the Team Fortress 2 co-op thing that's coming oh, out. Yeah. Like Man I'm, versus machine. I'm really excited about that. I used to play a ton of Team Fortress and then I, ha- I haven't in the last few months. But um, that's all about to change. It might be all about to change. Um, tomorrow at lunch. Tomorrow at lunch. If the update comes out at lunch tomorrow, I'll be playing. I'll yeah. be super excited. But um, it's weird because I'm I'm – when Team Fortress first came out, it was the most sort of aesthetically and gameplay clean thing. Like we've talked about the the sort of the the art and the style and the gameplay mechanics uh, and sort of the way Team Fortress was presented on day one a few times on the podcast. Like it was just excellent, and then it's sort of slowly been crapping itself up, at least in a lot of people's eyes, where it has weird billions of hats, billions of guns. The levels are spreading out in style a little bit more. And now you can have six-player horde mode versus clockwork robots of the original nine Team Fortress classes. And I realized – this was when I formally realized I don't give a shit 
about all of the complaints about that stuff because I, I, I don't know. I don't know how, what I'm what I'm trying to say with this exactly, but it's all still working for me. <laughs> so everyone can <laughs> the fucking say it. sort of fanning out to like about? more people. Do, playing, yeah. Like the social net. There, there, like are, the, there are many people for whom there are many people for whom Team Fortress has completely lost its appeal because they they'll say it's entirely impenetrable because of all the weird items and because oh, of yeah. the extra stuff. But like the the thing that I actually do like about it is that over the years. Like, looking at it, to me, holistically, it actually feels like Valve has actually been reasonably deliberate with all of it. Like, when Team Fortress first came out, it did have the aesthetic tightness, it had the really pared-down gameplay, but Team Fortress Classic players, their biggest beef was, you took out all the things that I loved about Team Fortress Classic. I don't have crazy jumps, I don't have conch grenades anymore, and you just had this one limited thing. But now, over the years, what Team Fortress 2 has become... Um, maybe weird hats and guns aside is it has things like the payload gameplay mode. It's got this new horde thing. Like it feels like the evolution of this game has actually finally turned it into what I think people may have been expecting at the beginning. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, the now. thing is uh, the thing that I, the, I keep hearing about it um, because this, I mean, a lot of games have horde mode where it's just, we're just going to throw a wave after wave of NPC at you and see how long you can last. Mm-hmm. And the thing I keep hearing is people saying, Oh man, TF2 is impenetrable to me because I get in and it's 10 on 10 and everybody's got crazy glowing hats and guns that I don't understand that are doing things to me that I don't know how right. I'm dying. And it's just, it's the, a game that had very sm- a very small curve, especially if you picked an easy class like the Pyro, sort of over time evolved think, to have this really steep curve. I think and actually, now there's it, a mode. It, it, I think the actual curve, the, the actual like, comprehension curve is still reasonably short but it has a perceived curve that's huge right now. well because mm. you're seeing all these things happen on screen if you're new to the game that just yeah. feel way beyond you and like how long do i have to play to get that thing forever or pay 20 dollars? what right like what the hell <gasps> yeah. how, and then you go and look at the, how, the library of guns and stuff and armor you can buy and yeah. it's all weird but also has attributes and it's just too much yeah or this is just get five friends Get on team chat, kill as many things kill as possible, him. and have a guy be like, "Hey, dude, you should totally use this in- other rocket launcher instead because it'll be better for the situation." Yeah, the everyone on the server being unified means, yeah, I guess, yeah, friends like pickup matches with friends will actually be. That's true. It's a, a total learning in for Team Fortress, which yeah. hasn't existed. That, Where you can just really cool. use a guy off the shelf and then slowly get things without, you know, it's not fun to die a lot, especially when other when it's competitive and other people are the ones that are. Sure. Yeah. I guess you. what I was trying to say earlier is just thinking back about what I like about Team Fortress 2 at this point, I realize that I've legitimately crossed over to almost all of the things that I like about the game now are things that are post 1.0 features. Like, I don't really play a lot of straight capture point. I really like the cart-based stuff, which was added way later. Right. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this... Uh, to the to the co-op. Well, you're pointing out a lot thing. of the stuff that is more... That is way more fun if you have really active team chat going. Yeah. If you have really active strategy happening. Whereas early TF maps, capture the flag and things like that, especially where it's just, you know what the general goal is, so just play well, you know, yeah. don't die and try to kill their dudes. But when you have games like Horde Mode, there's a team strategy element that starts coming out, which actually came out in their Halloween update. And if you played their Halloween update, I don't know if you talked about it. But Monoculus? Monoculus. You're on this... You're on Did this... you play that at all, Chris? I know, like, Steve no, hopped on... Steve that. Ganner hopped on a Team Fortress for two hours for, like, the first time since it, like, it came this out. This is bananas. It, it was... Uh... 
one of their King of the Hill maps, which is the kind where there's just a soul capture point in the middle that you, you know, you sit on until the timer goes, then your team has it, uh, and you're sort of, you have to try to maintain control of the capture point for three minutes to win the map. But in the Halloween version, it was haunted themed for no reason, but then occasionally a giant flying eyeball would come out from another dimension and shoot flames at everyone. At everybody, yeah. But it would mean, like, it didn't have a side, so suddenly everyone would just stop what they were doing, and oh, everyone would be like, okay, fucking kill Monoculus, go, because <laughs> when you killed him, he turned into a portal that took you to an treasure alternate island. Halloween dimension, Treasure Island, Loot Island. Loot Island. Does only the team who killed him first? No, no everybody that's can like go. Everyone can jump in. Oh, so, he, so then why don't you just still keep killing people on the other team? You can because Monoculus has a yell at you. huge HP and he goes away after a while. Yeah, so it's like if He's you, only want, on, if you yeah. want to get to Loot Island to get the mm. drops, you have to try and kill Monoculus before he goes away. <laughs> and so it takes you everybody. Game basically. Yeah, yeah. So, it's great though because everybody does just stop. And if somebody shoots you while Monoculus is up, because it really does take the full brunt of both sides. Yeah, you need like two him. full teams killing uh-huh. this guy for him to go People away. People just are like, why would you do that? Monoculus is here. Yeah, but they. It's really wonderful. They've done that, and then also the other one that they did. Uh, there was The War was another update that they had running, which was this weird fiction about how... Oh, I think I played The War. It was when, like... They, that was they, pretty early, right? Yeah. It was It, it was, was early like, in it their metagame like fiction. Mid-range, yeah. yeah it, was, it was when they just had started doing... Uh, like, they'd gone three or four class updates, and it was sort of... It was before the, the store and all that stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. the first sort of long-term metagame one. Yeah, though. it was... They had claimed that the Soldier class and the Demoman class had become friends and had crossed enemy lines. Like, just across across team boundaries and they had to make this stop so um whichever class type got the most kills would get a different drop in their class update and the other the other class would just not get that final item but it created this weird situation where you'd be playing as like a red demo man and you'd cross paths with the blue demo man and you wouldn't kill each other <laughs> because you knew that any time that a demo man wasn't in the map was a time that the demo man class was not going to be getting kills, and you wanted that item. So like, right. it was it was weird to just like go, "You're my brother," and then like, <laughs> walk on. And I feel like that and Monoculus were like they were totally about getting people excited through the metagame. But yeah, those weird sort of moments where you're like, "I'm cooperating in Team Fortress." Whoop, okay, I'm back into the game. It's cool to see them doing uh, a like. And more you know, plain on its face, cooperative yeah, just, thing. Okay, yeah. everyone and everyone now is on the same team. I yeah. think that's I think that's kind of cool. It's crazy that that game came out five years ago. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's. I have the I have an orange box for Xbox. We should just play. Just TF. oh god, TF, <laughs> TF would be weird on that at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think really I did weird. it like a couple years ago, and it yeah. wasn't enjoyable then. It's it's not a thing we can talk much about because it's obviously not yeah. out. But just the evolution of Team Fortress, I. I'm full. I'm fully on board with it at this point, even though it's still. I just said I'm fully on board, and then had a reservation, so that was a garbage sentence. You're fully like, on board. There's some stuff about it that still strikes me as a little bit weird, but the, I don't know. For what it is, I feel like Valve is doing the best version of that kind of thing that yeah. that exists. Also, their trailers are fucking phenomenal. <sighs> the trailer for this update, it's so good. It's yeah. the best. I watched it like three times. <laughs> Oh, the other trailer that I watched three times is for that new, the new Media Molecule game. What was it called? Tearaway. Yeah, Tearaway. Looks cool. It did the exact same thing for the Vita that that Little Big Planet did for the PS3, where I instantly made me interest, like want that console. Oh, really? Huh. It's, yeah, yeah. It's funny for it, me. It tickled. I mean, not with the same 
Like, well, Little Big Planet was way more exciting. Yeah, not with the same amount, this, but it tickled the same. Like oh, I, I, I can think, see getting a Vita. I think actually, if I didn't play Team Fortress when it was coming into it right now, I would have the same reaction to uh, Tearaway, which is Team Fortress ideologically TF2 at this point ideologically kind of stands for a lot of things that I'm not a big fan of. It's free to play. It's really heavily based on this collectible model. It's got a ton of players in it who are at this point I think in it just for the meta game. Whereas like what actually appeals to me about TF is the core. And uh, Tearaway is this thing that's like, oh, it's all about the fact there's a touch-sensitive back and that there's a camera and that it's got a tilt sensor and all this stuff. And, like, that that aspect of it is not that appealing to me. Like, it's stuff that I thought was a lot cooler a few years ago, but I'm kind of tired of seeing... When games so blatantly sell yeah, their apparatuses again, abilities. like, Team Fortress, I feel, like, does it really well and has a core right. inside of it that in and of itself is appealing. And even just from the video of Tearaway and like I was talking to Spaff who our friend James Spafford who's the community manager over there about the game a little bit and just sort of some of the stuff that that video was implying it just looks really solid like it just looks like right. one of the better executed versions of that so it's it's hard for me to resist except that I'll probably never own a PS Vita we'll play it at PAX though I bet we probably will play it at PAX we'll talk about it we've already talked about our PAX panel but that's going to be on Friday at 10.30 packs 10 30 a.m with pegasus yeah theater. go to that Maybe it's gonna be yeah. good. that theater it's might gonna be, be really huge, good so fill it up with everyone you know like just start hitting people over the head and dragging them into that theater <laughs> yeah don't it's do violence the first thing in that theater so you can take them just and <laughs> just keep them there just, just yeah. keep tell them. them that there's a cooler panel after yeah. ours a cool thing before well, all that happens though is uh we're gonna be this weekend on saturday uh, 11 a.m on pacific. on our pacific time on our Twitch TV channel, which is Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. We're going to be playing DayZ, which none of us have played, uh, with Evan Lottie from PC Gamer, who's going to come sort of shepherd us into the game. And that should be pretty fun. So I'm really, really stoked to play this game. Uh, and Evan's a great guy, and he is masterful at streaming this game. So it'll be fun to have him in the office and check it out so that's he's uh, been one of the big evangelists of daisy yeah people keep asking us what we think of this like every like, week we get like Daisy? two reader mails asking us about daisy and we've just never played it because we're stupid i guess yeah it's obviously looks really cool so i don't know why we haven't played it but episode 71 we can talk about daisy and man versus machine it'll be great yeah oh also uh a thing we did since the last episode which we didn't warn you about last episode because we didn't know we were doing it yet <laughs> yeah. was uh we saturday we did an epically an epic four hour i think stream of ftl faster than light which is a game that's currently only available if you backed their kickstarter and are a beta tester of yeah it we've talked result, about it a couple it times on the cast in about a month yeah yeah it's coming we out talked about it last month um i mean last episode uh so we did a i jumped on to this to our twitch tv channel with it and just started playing playing a game because i wanted to show people what this game was about because as I say, it's well, not, not fully available. You, you were playing, and, and you've been you've been playing a ton of it. But I was there, and our friend JP LeBreton was there, and neither, oh, right. and they, and neither of us seen... had played it, so it was our first time looking at it. Yeah, which was awesome in and of itself. Right, and so there were a bunch of people in chat who'd never seen it before as well. But there were also a bunch there of people in chat pros in there. who were super pro. So it was a really it was an awesome experience. It was a super fun stream because I felt like I was playing the game actually with all these people in the chat, and they were all. Not all, but a bunch of them were giving suggestions and like giving tips and being like, oh man, here you're going to want to like put some extra points 
into like your gun system, even though you can't power it yet, just to be like a buffer against damage. And there's all these cool, just really awesome input. Like it really felt collaborative. That was that stream for me was was kind of incredible because it started off just watching you play it, and you were obviously really familiar with it and really versed sort of in the weird lexicon of FTL. And it was the most opaque thing for me at first. When I was watching this, I was just sitting there going, what the, f- this is the most like opaque kind of off-putting looking thing. Like this is a sort of game oh, that really? I just don't play anymore. Or, or like, like, I didn't play, I haven't played stuff like that since I was a kid mm-hmm. really. But then once I sort of got a handle on what was going on, it became like one of the more genuinely thrilling game experiences to watch <laughs> to me where it was like, okay, send the two guys into the teleporter and send an away mission onto the enemy ship. Oh my god, we took out their guns, sick, like, oh, send them back, they're about, like, it was, it was crazy stuff to me, it was, it was, it was, made me want to play that game a lot. Yeah. But there, I didn't there were a lot Kickstarter. of, it was, there were a lot of amazingly thrilling moments where, yeah, it, my guys almost got trapped on a ship that was about to explode, and I warped them back just in time, it was a lot of really cool Yeah, stuff. a lot of crazy last minute sci-fi scrapes, and it was also surprising, and fuck, this makes it sound really off-putting and not thrilling, but it really actually simulates, uh, the best moments of Star Trek. <laughs> Sorry, worst, most off-putting thing, but good. It's so hard to explain. Like it uses it uses all of the mechanics that they use when writing the fiction of Star Trek, which is always really actually kind of boring in practice on that show. Like the actual space battle stuff inside of Star Trek episodes, the worst. Like it is terrible. But inside <laughs> of people grabbing the walls, yeah. But <laughs> inside of FTL, they're like watching Chris throw all the power out of the med station and into the shields and or like sending guys over to a ship to get in a hand-to-hand fight with someone and then disable a system on their ship and blip back uh it's awesome like that's a it's a crazy game if you're if you we streamed for like four hours but the second stream is probably the one that has the most like complete yeah the second stream has a has a full playthrough so the first yeah uh, i think we i died once and then i started over or maybe i died twice i can't remember but in any case i'm pretty sure if you just go to part two. Within the first like two minutes, we start a new playthrough, which goes all the way through one yeah, one full playthrough. Fully com- de- defeat the like space the, boss. Yeah, the fight against the space boss was pretty good. It was it was really good. Yeah, that was cool because I'd, I'd actually never beat the game before, so I'd gotten I'd I'd reached the boss and I had beat you know the first time I did. Oh, I thought I I thought I actually had you know vanquished this boss in space. And then it turns out he does the stupid boss thing where classic he war- boss move. Yeah, he warps away, and then he's actually even more powerful now, and you have to fight him again. And then not only that, he that happens again. And you have to fight him a third time, and I had never killed him the third time before. But this time it's because we had we had our full crew in the chat who were like, "Oh yeah. well," um, I mean, I guess FTL boss spoiler, but they they said. Oh, if you notice, you'll see that the weapon systems are spatially disconnected from the other things, so the guy can't send crew members over there. So then we had like. We were covertly beaming members of the crew into like the tunnel of the weapon system and having them just disable the weapons in the first round. So when the ship came back the second time, there were no crew it, it members in there. Yeah, it couldn't fire on us. Oh, it was the best. Well, it repaired the it had repaired the weapon system, but we'd killed the crew. In right, there. but there was no guy so, left to fix it a yeah, second time. Yeah, yeah it, was it was good. Super good. It was good. That sounds rad. Yeah, it, it was, was a fun. really fun stream. Also, your starting crew was named. Oh yeah, Nick Breck. Nick Breck Scoops and. Oh, and famous. It was all absent thumbs. It was absent thumbs. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Nick Breck died Nick Breck early on. He was the pilot. Nick Breck was the captain. He was burned yeah, alive with him. He was I burned alive with him. Even I on a ship in deep space with Nick Breck's body in the, in the control yeah. room. Nick's charred corpse. Each other, well, saying what the nothing. Fuck, are we gonna do now? 
Yeah. Reckon's gone. Nick burned alive immediately, basically. Fire in the engine room. Well, it's because the first game, we're like, okay, and we're just going to jump some more. Okay, we jump to a star. The ship's on fire. Like, that was That's like, oh, we're yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, we had some bad luck the first the first, yeah. Yeah. The first time through. Um, I can't remember, actually, what role, respective roles you and Steve had. You were the, you guys were the... Chief of staring the, and chief of dealing <laughs> with it. The engineer and the gunner, but I can't remember who was who. I can't remember who was, which was which. I think Steve would be the gunner because he'd be wearing giant shades and you would see like the flash of the ion <laughs> cannon in You'd them. actually also yeah. see just the grid of his like space map reflected in the yeah. sunglasses. Also, yeah. Nick as the captain would probably be wearing the Oculus Rift. That's true. Yeah. So he wouldn't actually need any controls in the <laughs> cockpit of his ship. Sitting in a chair. Yeah, he's just on sort of fire with Looking his face around, covered. gesturing with his hands. <laughs> well, his body yeah. and the... He doesn't notice because he's wearing the Oculus. Right. He's fully the, immersed. The in cabin the... and his jumpsuit are just on fire, but he's still just uh, like minority reporting his hands while looking around at a world that you can't see. <laughs> while you and Steve are just yelling at each other in the back. That's probably what was happening in that yeah. playthrough, actually. Yeah. And then Nick just fell over dead. <laughs> and the rest of the ship... Yeah, oh... You also, at one point, I believe, oh, Chris's classic move was to have uh, an unmanned ship show up, and he forgot to read the word that it was unmanned, which meant that it was just a probe, which meant that there was obviously no life support. He would beam an entire crew over there, <laughs> and they would just sit there, like, like <laughs> going, <gasps> and then the chat would be like, beam the back, beam the back, send the back, there's no oxygen in there. It's like, oh, oh sorry, 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 there's no oxygen in there, and then everyone just, <gasps> <sighs> Multiple away missions. I made that out of there twice. I made it. Yeah, it was just Chris I fucked kept, it up twice like, and made them back just before total asphyxiation. This, this purple. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. The other thing you can do, you uh, borders can show up and you can just open up all of the doors in your ship. Like, like basically, you can you can alien them out of there by trying to just send them out into the blackness of space. You, you can't. Oh. They won't. No. They just. They will. They. Oh, they just. Stop, they just starved to death. Yeah. They just. They just But you can just, you can just yeah. pull all the atmosphere out of the ship. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that also, you didn't ever literally do that, but you were deathly afraid of doing that. Yes. I did it once and fucked it completely up and just left my ship just... In ruins. Yeah, just having no atmosphere and my guys being unable to make it to the oxygen generator room to repair it before they themselves were killed. That was, I think, how I died this first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some really good stuff. Like, when... You lose, when you lose the ability to see the inside of your ship, that's actually the most evocative thing to me. Where so, I don't, I don't remember which system it is that gets knocked out that does that, that turns all of your room dark. The oh, lights, just the, the, probably the sensor room. Yeah, yeah. Just when when you when you can't when you have no sensor readings inside of your ship, any room that a guy isn't in just turns like seventy percent gray. It's just off. But then you have a guy wandering through the ship, so whichever room just he's in, discovering whatever, yeah, whichever room he's in, wrong. a light turns on, so it. it Feels even though it's just oh, it's from that yeah. top-down pixel art view. Right, yeah, yeah. It feels so much like a moment from like the first Alien, right? Where you just the guys just all like, our senses are off. Just like, like go see what's like, going yeah, on. Yeah, someone is going yeah. through hallways, then just coming into one room and like having their like beam, well, their like lantern that illuminates just that space, looking around and then trying to fuck with the computer, and it doesn't work, and wandering into the next room. Well, the crazy thing is that in this, in this, I think the second game, the one that we actually won, uh, that happened, and. It was in a nebula, so my sensors were actually just fully disabled by the interference from the nebula. Um, so it wasn't even that they were broken. It was right. just that my ship, like, they they were just, like, EMP'd right. out, basically. And I and I had, just fi- I had just been fighting this battle, and I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Like, that was no big deal. Like, my sensors were knocked out by the nebula, but, like, I took out the enemy without too much problem. Like, no worries. 
And then I had my little guy like walking back to the engine room mm-hmm. and he walks into one room and it's just completely in flames. Yeah. And I just had no idea because my sensors were right. out. So I had no way of knowing that my ship was But yeah, burning. that is just you're and in I'm this like, like, oh, God, dark and hallway and the bulkhead and door I, opens. And I, yeah, and I put them out. I'm like, oh, God. And I go in the next room and that one's on I know. It's fire. like how many other like, ones oh, are on. Christ. Yeah, and I can't see any of this shit. And then I go to my engine room and it's like starting to burn and I'm like, oh, get that can out quick. Fly away and then the, the fire is like spread back to the well, – my ship's still going to be oh, on right. fire. And like – and then I, I go back to the original room and there's a fire is like restarted there. It was this total disaster. And the funny thing is I had just been saying like this this was oh you know we show you guys some nebulous stuff but like this is the sensors total, turned off total cake all it was my sensors <laughs> right then meanwhile like that. everything's fine. Yeah. Power comes back on. Just back half of the ship is gone yeah. at that point. Oh my god! It's, it was a disaster. That wasn't actually going on. like the back half wasn't literally gone. But things like that are surprisingly evocative for how in my opinion, kind of suspicious, the art of that game is. Like, it's very, very simple uh, pixel art. I like it. It's cool. I feel like that game, with what it's got going on, if it actually had a slightly stronger aesthetic, not like an overbearing one, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like if that art was a tiny bit more polished, it would probably do a lot to bring people into that game, and it could probably also elevate some of the more evocative stuff in it than it does. Yeah, but, that's fair enough. But once you get into it, it's doing its job pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, I was originally kind of put off by the look of that game, but after experiencing that playthrough, it was like, okay, this game's sick. FTL's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we, I think, I think you, did you put in a name to it? You, no, I, I didn't uh, bid you, at uh, the level. Nick, Nick and Steven and I, and I will put our names in there. So I'm Remo, Nick is Brecken, and Steve is Scoops. Good. So we, our names will be present, uh... As potentially, you know, Shipmates. randomly available uh, crew members when the game ships. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully we have this level of excitement a week from now after playing Daisy. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to watch so, that stuff, it is on our Twitch TV yeah. channel, which is twitch.tv slash Isle of Thumbs. Cool. Yep. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Sounds like a cast. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Probably in a week. Well... Yep. Check out our blog, because we'll probably put details about the PAX panel. Oh, yeah. If you go to idlefumbers.net, we'll have PAX panel stuff. We'll have Daisy Stream announcements. You can also – that's another place you can get the video of the FTL stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, go to our forums. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Gosh, if you like the internet so much, why don't you marry it? Yeah. We are – once again, we are at – You can marry the internet. We are at Idle Thumbs on Twitter. We have a really great forum community, which you should check out. Um also, punch a friend in the face with your iPhone or podcast playing device and say idle thumbs when you do it. And then they'll listen to idle thumbs. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. true. That's proven to work. Yeah, just say video games, poof, smack them in the face. Or just say, I heard about this amazing best podcast in the world, the Idle Thumbs podcast. That podcast was canceled. <laughs> yeah, There's this fun. new podcast called Idle Not Thumbs. Not only was it canceled, it has been stricken from the record of history. <laughs> it is now reintegrated into this other podcast called Idle Thumbs, which is okay, I guess. Anyway, Are we still podcast? Bye. I don't no. know what we're doing. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks, guys. I just really met Steve, but the day that he we played like a five-hour game of Imperial 2030, and he was also playing... Uh, Deadly, Deadly Premonition, Premonition. Yeah. and then decided like three hours into Deadly Premonition to pay attention to the board game and defeat us all. <laughs> it's probably the day that I hated him the most <laughs> of all days. Yeah. And I have definitely called him horrible names to his face on this very podcast and have to have it edited out. But that was the day that I look back and go, darkest day of gainers life in my eyes.
That's for you, Steve. <laughs> In your solipsistic view of the world, that's just – that is actually the worst day he's ever had. <laughs> or is in his mind, it's the best day. Yeah. God, that was so – played some deadly premonition, Man, kicked everyone's to... ass at, at Imperial 2030. That was a good day. That was the worst Broken day of your terror. life, Steve. <laughs> The dynamic has been set for what's going on. I know, I'm going home. <laughs> and you're just... No, Episode I'm... one of Mega McCheese. <laughs> and these fuckers are Jake and Chris. Go ahead. That's the opening for that, by the way. That's hard I never introduced myself. I introduced you two. And then to say go. These we just always sort of hear you do. Like, Chris and Jake. The dealer out, sort of hand yeah. together, then a couple footsteps away. Like, yeah. what? And you just hear the door close. <laughs> Swinging close. <laughs>